All right, we're going to get into this because, man, we could spend a lot of time. 25 minutes is not very long. You guys are like, oh, I just sat through a session. Did you guys enjoy the session? I mean, wow, really powerful stuff going on there at the end. Even as I was, I snuck in for the end and uh, just hearing the, the desire for miracles and healing and, and all these things. And I was thinking about how that even plays into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and the importance of allowing God to do what he wants to do in our services. Somebody say amen, right? I mean, we got, we got a, we're pretty smart around here, but I feel like the Lord knows a little bit more about what we ought to do in our services than we do. Can somebody say amen to that? Is that all right? You know, like we're still learning, we're growing. I think we're a lot better than we were 10 years ago or whatever. In some ways, maybe we've regressed in some things too. We'll talk about that too. But uh, I do want to just pray uh, before we get started in this because um, I was telling my new friends over here that I feel like I have fire shut up in my bones and I don't know if it's shut up anymore because I am very, very passionate. If you know me, you understand. If you don't know me, you're about to find out uh, because my heart burns for uh, this thing called kingdom culture, the thing, this thing called the church. I believe the church is the greatest hope on this planet. So it's not that I'm just passionate about the church and the services and all that. I believe that that is the greatest light that we have for this world to reach hurting people, lost people for the, for the gospel. Amen. And so uh, my, my passion starts with this book right here and so many things that I feel like we could glean from this book. Maybe just another, uh, taking another look at it. So uh, let's, let's just pray. We'll get started. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful even for the, the miracles that happened in this last session. Lord, there are people here, I, I believe it, that were healed. There are people that uh, are struggling with uh, mental health that are healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, there are those who don't know which direction to go. Maybe they thought of, of dropping out of ministry. Uh, but Lord, you have revitalized them, even in this last service, given them a new vision. I pray that you would keep doing that, Lord, that over the time of this weekend, Lord, that we would be refreshed in your presence, Lord. So many of us are running, 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 and it's been a while since we've been in a service where we weren't in charge. So I pray, Father, that you would just minister to us. I pray that you would heal us. Lord, I pray that you would unite us, Father. Lord, we just wait for just a moment here, and we just rest in your presence. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch us, that you would lead us, Lord, that you would correct us where we need correcting. You would bring discipline where we need to have discipline, Father. Your word says you discipline those you love. And so, God, if there's correction that needs to happen in the church and in our church, in my life, in anyone's life here, Lord, we, we welcome what you have to say. And we believe that what you have to say is, is the best. It's better than what we have to say. Lord, we want to be saying what you're saying. We want to be doing what you're doing. We want to be praying what you're praying. God, would you fill us afresh again today with your spirit and lead us and guide us. Transform our minds. Lord, we put on the mind of Christ even right now. And thank you that you guard our hearts, our emotional health, and our minds, our mental health in Christ Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Um, all right, so as you know, well, so many introductions, but I do, I do want to at least do that picture real quick because that's, that's my people right there. 
That's my people. And one of my peoples is like right in the front row. She loves to be pointed out, but that's Martha. Hi, Martha. Wave your hand. Okay. She's on the screen too, but uh, we have four kids and just, man, just blessed. Uh, I can't believe that Roman there on the far left is at North Central, just literally finished up his last final today of his freshman year. He was uh, seven when we moved here. So, uh, and then Evan there in the middle is uh, going to be a freshman this fall at North Central. And as you can tell, those two boys have looked at their father and they're realizing they need to grow their hair while they can. You see what I'm saying? Um, so, and then we got Channing down there, the camo. Uh, he's in sixth grade. And then Clara, we hung in there. We, we got the girl, praise the Lord. <laughs> and uh, then we said, we're done. Um, but uh, she's died and uh, just made my amazing family. That's, that's why, I don't know, those are, those are my people right there. So, and then, of course, as Todd mentioned, some of my other people are the people at North Central University. Uh, just amazing family of people there, and I've been able to teach at North Central for about 12 years now. A um, couple, couple of recordings that we put out, Worship Live, uh, Invading is a great song. We actually just released this song, The Sound of Everything, last Friday. So, uh, prophetic song about, you know, just about every New Testament preacher, Jesus, John the Baptist, Paul, Peter, they all had this one message Turn from your sins and turn to God. And this is the sound of everything returning to God. It's the sound of everyone praising God. It's the sound of everyone worshiping God. Revelation 19.6, the sound of many mighty rushing waters. It's the same scripture that we used for Sonic Flood, ironically. Uh, Revelation 19.6, the sound of the flood of, of worship. Um, didn't talk about this book. This is probably um, some of you who are, are like, well, because I'm going to talk about a lot of practical things today, but this book is the first book I wrote about three years ago, and this one has to do with the heart of everything. Now, as Todd mentioned in Spark, we talk about some of those things as well, but this book is really not just for musicians. This one's just for anybody who wants to grow their walk with the Lord. Uh, so that, that might be one you get for somebody you know that's not a worship leader, but is a worshiper, that type of thing. And then that book, and then we did that slide, and we're going to jump in here to... Now, I kind of changed the title a little bit. So the, uh, we, I love this because we actually got together with uh, our whole team uh, to talk through what we should do. If this wasn't just me, like Todd said, hey, Jeff, you should think of some titles that we should talk about. No, the whole team got together, the executive team uh, under Todd's leadership and, and kind of looked, they decided, we decided to do the, this book, but then we went through the 15 chapters, like, well, what should we, we have four sessions. We're trying to cram a little bit too much into this thing because we're kind of like two chapters per session. Man, I don't know how we could do that. We're not going to be able to cover it all, but, but I do want to get into some of this. But this, this uh, session, as you may or may not know, is called How to Remain Humble While Avoiding Burnout in Ministry. Now, this uh, this session comes from a cha chapter 14 in the book, Spark. Um, and we're also going to refer a little bit to chapter 4, talking about some pride and humility things too. Uh, but this one here just burns in my heart, uh, chapter 14, because it really talks about one of, I think, the greatest issues that we have in the body of Christ right now in leadership. And I, I think all of us in this room are in leadership in the church in some way or another. And I actually love being in leadership in the church. I feel like it's, it's my calling, you know. And again, I, 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 that doesn't mean that I'm not for evangelism and winning the lost. I feel like that this is the greatest hope for the church is. And, and so if we have issues in our church, we need to 
be, we need to be working on those things and like returning to the Bible and understanding. So this chapter and this, this session, Bonafide Babies and Brackish Burnout, really refers to, I believe, a condition that we have right now in the church. And I want to I wanna read, each chapter I start with a lie in the book. And the first lie is this, church leadership is lonely and exhausting and that's just the way it's going to be. Now, maybe you've been told that, and, you know, maybe there's, some, there's difficult things, of course, in church leadership, and, and uh, sometimes it does feel lonely at the top, as they say, or whatever, that type of thing. But I think sometimes we bring some of that on ourselves, and I want to talk about some of that. Uh, and then I want to read a scripture here. <clears throat> we know this scripture, but uh, it says this, you have, been, or you have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. Now, I'm not talking to you guys necessarily right now, okay? So, but we're, let's just receive whatever we need to receive, right? You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. Had a note for myself to pray there, but I already did that. So we'll, we'll keep going here. But here's the thing, guys. I, I don't know if, you've, if you resound with this, but one of the things that I've discovered is that we're in this dilemma. All right, I kind of wrote it down like this. Church people are less committed to church than ever, right? We know the stats on this, right? Like it used to be that regular attenders were defined by attending church three times a month. Now, it's, I, I think it's latest is somewhere between one and two times a month. That's like your regular attender, right? So we know that the fact is church people are less committed to church than ever. As a result, some things start happening. Pastors don't know what to do. Pastors begin to expect less of church people and take on more responsibility. You hear what I'm saying, right? We're like, oh, well, I guess there's a problem. They're not going to do it, so I guess we're going to have to do it, right? So it seems like a, a logical conclusion. Well, because less is expected of church people, they continue to grow accustomed to that. Like, oh, well, I guess it's not our job. It's pastor's job. It's the leader's job, worship pastor's job. So churches become less and less mature, church people become less and less mature, and less and less involved, because less and less is expected of them, and more and more is piled on the pastors. Church people begin to believe it is the pastor's job to do the work of the ministry. Pastors work harder and harder. Pastors begin to burn out. Pastors fall into depression and potentially even moral failure. We've seen all this happen. Pastors leave the ministry. The world rolls their eyes once again, and churches close. Welcome to this session. Here's good news, right? <laughs> yeah, let's go. But do you guys resound at all with what I'm saying so far? Like, there's this dilemma we face. We're trying to figure out how to fix it. You know, we have these, we have, it feels like people are less involved, and so we've got to pile it on ourselves, and I think it's actually killing us. It's actually killing us from both sides. I mean, I can't tell you the number of North Central students who have come to me after honestly being abused in ministry, they, and they're burnt out and they're done. They've left the church after two years. You know, some of that is their responsibility, but there's also poor leadership going on in our churches that are just piling on, piling on, competing. You know, we got to be big and bold and we got to keep on and we're just burning people out. I feel like there's a better way, according to the scripture. You know, the scripture that I read there, of course, is talking about uh, Paul's talking to the, the lay people in a sense, right? So it's easy to look at that and kind of fault 
these folks. But let's get into this, all right? Number one, worship leaders are climate setters. Now, I understand not everybody in here is a worship leader, but I'm assuming uh, you have something to do with worship, whether you're on the sound tech team or the creative, whichever team you're on, you're, um, you're running lyrics or whatever that is. I feel like anybody who's involved in the worship leadership process is a worship leader. I'd like the sound engineer is a worship leader, right? Because they can make it better, they can make it worse, right? Um, I feel like the lyric people, come on, somebody, if they're two, lyric, two, two lines behind, it's not going to work as good, right? So but we're all worship leaders, and, and whoever's facilitating, we're all into this together. Drummers, bassists, guitarists, we're all worship leaders. Some people think, oh, it's just the singer, just the person with the microphone. Not the case. That's, a, that's another session. But worship leaders are climate setters. Now, we understand that... There is a certain ceiling because the truth is that the lead pastor is the true worship leader. And you really can't go beyond, the church will never go beyond the level of worship of the lead pastor. They're the ones that set the, 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 the ceiling, right? Okay, there's always a few people, praise God for those people, who are willing to go beyond where that ceiling is, right? But most people are not going to go beyond the ceiling of what their pastor has set. So as worship leaders, then I decided, okay, I know I can't control the whole thing. Now I speak into these things. I lead worship at Celebration Church uh, down in in Lakeville here. Uh, But I don't make the decisions about the whole thing. I definitely have favor and I speak into these things. So I decided, you know what? I just want to do the best that I can do with what I have, right? I want to make sure that I am being faithful with what I have been given. And I'm going to keep pushing it until somebody tries to shut me down, you know. I'm going to go with this book, and I'm going to try to do all that God has called me to do. All right, so it's interesting, though, but you have to be careful when you read this uh, Hebrews chapter 5 that we don't get just mad at the babies out there, the lay people, right, that they're, oh, they're so mature. I can't believe they're the problem. You know what? Sometimes, guys, we have to understand that the culture we have in our churches is a culture that we've built. Let me just give you one example, right? Uh, let's say you're frustrated. Man, our people are in the, the atrium and they just won't come in till about halfway through the first or second song. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? And they're like, I just, we just don't know what to do. Guys, like we are culture builders. This is what we do. You can actually change that in a period of about two to three weeks if you want to. It can be done. There are, we are just literally talking about this at Celebration because it feels like with COVID and everything, that, that line has got, a, got blurred a little bit. You know, we used to shut the doors, uh, you know, right on time. Now we kind of let it go till like the first, end of the first song and people linger. They just do whatever you allow them to do, you know. And, and we, we could actually talk about it from the platform and say, hey, guys, we realize we've kind of been slacking and, and we want to we change that culture. So we want you to get here early. We want to get started right on time. You know, we don't want to just linger in and think that the worship's not important. You know, I had a friend of mine say, Jeff, until I heard uh, you speak, from uh, Awakening Pure Worship, I used to think that the worship was the credits before the movie. It wasn't important. I'd just show up late, you know. But we got to have teaching on those types of things. we got to understand we are building the culture that we have, and we're perpetuating it. So don't get too mad at the people. Now, you can't force people to do stuff, right? But we sure can teach. We sure can correct. We sure can say, hey, let's cast a vision for what the Bible is saying. So that, that little on-time thing is just one thing. But there's so many, oh, maybe we're frustrated with, oh, people just stand there drinking their coffee. Well, what if we address that and we teach on what worship is and we explain why we worship and why it's important to lift up your hands or get on your face or whatever. We'll talk about some more of that stuff tomorrow. But worship leaders are climate setters. You can't, 
You can't do it all by yourself, right? But what are you doing with what you've been given? You know, I know that, like, for example, at North Central, we have a 50-minute service every day in chapel. And we have 18 minutes for worship. And I actually feel that's a pretty good percentage because some of y'all have about 17 minutes for an hour and 20 minute service. So, but, but I feel pretty good about that. But I'm like, hey, I've been given jurisdiction over 18 minutes. What am I doing with it? Am I doing what God has called me to do in those 18 minutes? Or am I just kind of, you know, just doing the thing? Survival mode. That's number one. Number two, our job is to equip church people to do the work. I bet you can figure out where I'm going with this scripture. You probably know, I hope you do, you probably know what I'm thinking about here. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Now, these, this, this to me helps us understand what the purpose is. What's the job of the pastor? What's the job of the leaders in the church? This defines this, our job. Now, these gifts, Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Anybody here in that role? You might not be the official pastor, but you're pastoring, you're shepherding, right? You're leading, you're helping people, all those things, right? That's what we do in the church. Their responsibility, you could say my responsibility, all right? Everybody can say that about themselves. Their responsibility is what? It's the name of this conference. It's to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Guys, there's so many things that we can see right there, but that idea that I presented to you at the very beginning, the fact that we're trying to do all the work ourselves because the church people won't, that is not the answer. That's not a good situation. That's just going to keep us spiraling down. We're going to burn out and we're going to create babies. We're actually, you know, when we read that passage from Hebrews, our leadership, we are the ones that are actually creating the babies in our churches. That's why Paul is rebuking them because we're the ones that are actually allowing it to continue. Now, we're so afraid. See, some of the stuff is rooted in fear, right? Think about it. Why do we not challenge church people? What if they leave? Did we lose their tithe? What if, oh, but guess what? What if they're waiting to be challenged? What if they want to be challenged? What if they'll actually step up? Maybe they're more spiritual than we give them credit for. We think we're the only ones. We'll get to that, right? But see, our job is not to do the work of the ministry people, right? Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, this is going to lift a burden off of somebody's shoulders this week. Your job is not to do the work. You know, oh, well, yeah, we'll get to that. All right. So, <laughs> I'll even say this. I say this verse right here, this actually tells us, and this is a whole nother session, but that Sunday morning, I have so, so many churches. I travel all over the world, and there, there's been a shift and there are so many churches, Assemblies of God churches as well, that believe that Sunday morning is for reaching unbelievers. That's not what that says right there. It's to equip who? The body of Christ to go out and do the work of the ministry. That is to touch people, to reach people, to evangelize people in their workplaces. Come on, that's the goal of the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Yet we actually believe that we're supposed to call the, the, the church in, or the, the unbelievers into the church so they can get saved. Now, I'm not saying you can't get saved in the church. Come on, somebody, we, can have, we should have altar calls. There's a lot of unsaved people in the church. It's true, right? But that's not the main goal. 
The main goal is to equip the body, to take them from baby Christians to mature believers that are actually joining with you, linking arms with you to do the work of the ministry. Think about how you're doing it by yourself. Come on, guys, we got to stop this. We got to stop this now or the whole church is going to fall apart. It's going to implode. We can't sustain what we're doing. We're going to burn out. And you know where that leads. You know where that leads. We all, probably all of us have, have tasted some of that. But that's not what God's called us to. That heavy weight, it's not, it's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, I remember growing up, we had a thing called Friendship Sunday. I wasn't a huge fan of it then. I understand the purpose, but basically it was a pastor's answer to, well, I know my people aren't going to evangelize their friends, so here's how it's going to work. You guys bring your friends to church, we'll get them saved. That is the worst philosophy of reaching people for Christ ever in the history of the world. Did I say it strong enough? Did I say it strong enough? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, ever in the history of the world, we have to train our people in evangelism so they can go out and do it. And you're like, man, I thought this was a worship leadership session. You've got to understand what your 18 minutes are doing. Are we also perpetuating giving people, spoon feeding the uh, baby Christians with our little worship songs, everything that, that makes them feel good? We don't want to have any worship songs that make them feel uncomfortable. Don't want to have them you know, lift up their hands. Oh, heaven forbid if they didn't grow up that way. Oh, my word. We're going to talk about that tomorrow, right? I didn't grow up that way either, you know. But the Bible says we should lift up holy hands because I think it changes people's hearts. But we're saying, oh, we're afraid we might, we might lose somebody. Guess what? You might lose somebody, but you also might gain somebody. Somebody who's searching around looking for a church who's not doing it halfway. Somebody's waiting to go, man, I want to go find a church that is willing to do what God wants us to do. I'm looking for a church that listens to the Holy Spirit again. There's messages in tongues and there's interpretation. Whoa, oh, that's a little too far, Jeff. That's a Pentecostal church, right? I mean, come on, somebody. Friendship Sunday. That's just a pastor's answer to, well, they're not going to do it, so we got to do it for them. And that's not the answer. Number three, we must follow biblical models when we gather. Guys, I'm telling you, there's nothing in Spark or in Awakening Pure Worship that doesn't come from this book. But I'm telling you, there are so many things in this book that we are not doing in our gatherings. There are so many things in this book that we are not doing in our gatherings. We're going to talk about some of that stuff this week, this weekend. <laughs> You stay for the whole week. We, we can do this, right? <laughs> uh, we must follow biblical models. I'll give you a couple of quick examples. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 summarizes chapters 12, 13, and 14, right? If you know this, we're talking about the public ministry in the church, our church gatherings. Paul says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Guys, we're only doing a couple things on that list, and that's not even an exhaustive list. If you go back through those 12, 13, 14, all the things that are supposed to be happening in our congregation. I grew up in a Baptist church, guys. All right. I, I, I visited uh, Cornerstone Church in Nashville, Tennessee in 1993. Assemblies of God Church. Martha and I were just married for a, a one year. 
And we've been married for 30 years now. Come on, baby. All right. <laughs> May 23rd, big anniversary. But we went there and we we're like, whoa, these people are on fire. We'll get to some of that later. Anyways, but uh, it changed our life. But I feel like we've kind of, we kind of went, okay, are you guys, we're going to go all the way? Or are we just going to go? Now, I, I found out Sims of God churches think they're radical because somebody lifted their hand in the service. Like, whoa. Whew. That was kind of pretty ra- radical. The Baptist churches are doing that these days. <sighs> but we're not doing all this stuff that God's called us to do in our churches. And, and the reason we want to we help people. We want to empower people, right? We have to follow, follow biblical models of, uh, when we gather. Another one is 1 Peter 2.9. Guys, we've got to get rid of this idea that we... Because that, we know the New Testament model is that we have a kingdom of priests, right? It's not that we're the only spiritual people in the, in the church. We're actually empowering, building church people to become a holy nation right here, right? But you are not like that, Peter said, for you are a chosen people, like everybody, not just the pastors. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We've got to start telling the lay people that that's them. There's this huge divide still. It's almost like we're living in the old days or something where the pastors are important and all the people are... Like nobody's. No, we live in a kingdom of priests. That's what God's called us to. You know, I, I mentioned the other day that we, or I mentioned earlier that we, we think we expect very little of our church members. I have this note on my syllabi for, for North Central, and it says at the very top, it says, expect great things of your students and they will produce great things. But guess what? If I, produ- if I expect little of them, guess what they're going to produce? Little. We're expecting way too little of the church of the people of God. They were made to be great and powerful, not to sit under leaders who are spoon-feeding them regurgitated word. Come, We know that people are not spending time in the Bible. We know that they're not reading uh, their word. They're not probably spending time worshiping God during the week, but we need to start challenging them to do that. Worship is not just for church. Can you imagine if I came to you and said, hey, don't, you, don't read your, your Bible at home, right? Because we do that at church. And we, I don't think there's a lot of people that are worshiping God with musical worship at home. We need to start perpetuating that concept. Louis Giglio says it this way, people shouldn't come to church to worship, they should come to church worshiping because they've been worshiping all week long. Don't just get, don't give up guys, don't give up. We can, we can do this, we can turn this thing back around by the power of God. Don't give up on the people. Like challenge them, lead them to new places, say hey guys it's time to rise up, spend time with God every day and then come and celebrate with us on Sunday. Most people just drag themselves into church because they've been working all week, hadn't said anything to God all week long. And they think that church is a place to be filled up. Guys, they should be filled up every day. And they come and celebrate and pour out at the church. Anybody get excited yet? (laughs) Come on, man. This is a new normal, right? Number four, we must learn to empower people. We must learn to empower people. And that's really what we've been talking about the entire time. Um, I, I'm going to say something kind of bold here. I know I haven't said anything bold yet. Uh, <laughs> we are not the only spiritual ones in the church. In fact, if we believe we are, we are full of pride and greatly deceived. And we don't understand the kingdom of God. 
Guys, it's time. We have to empower people. It's not about me leading. It's not me being, about me being a rock star on, this, on the stage. It's not about me singing the songs I want to sing, whatever. It's everything that I can do to try to connect God and his people. Everything that I can do. Because I believe that they'll have an encounter with him. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what we have to cut out of the service. But if they can have an encounter with him, they'll be changed. Amen. They'll be transformed. If they encounter me, ah, they might have a nice service. But it ain't going to change their life. Come on, man. We have got to provide a setting for them, an atmosphere again where they can encounter God. I was talking with a guy the other day, and we, just yesterday, actually, uh, a worship pastor from Alaska. And I was just doing a little mentoring call. And he's just frustrated. He's like, yeah, Jeff, we've got about 17 minutes of music. We actually do five songs in those 17 minutes. I was like, what? How in the world are you doing five songs in 17 minutes? He said, dude, we're cutting out the verses. Think about what's happening. This, this about wrecked me. Because I've been in places, like, they're cutting out the meat. Because they want to get, they want to create this atmosphere. He, he said it this way. He said it's like, it's like a square. They enter the service. They want to go straight to the climax and go straight across and then be done with the service and go home. And there's never an up and down, a flow, or anything like that. No. They just, it, it just like cut out all the stuff that might ramp up a build, a, a, a moment where we can just rest and, and receive from God. No, it's just, and we're done. I mean, it's crazy. But that's where we're going. That's where people are going, and we actually need to provide a space. I did exactly the opposite when I came to North Central. I felt like the first thing God said to me, we were doing four songs in 18 minutes. That's four and a half minutes a song. That's pretty much the standard in most churches. And guys, that is, oh, I know you, you may get mad at me. I don't know, but I'm just like, I feel like that's a disgrace. The first thing God said to me is, you got to make space for me. Create space for me, for my spirit. And when we're just racing through, it's not going to happen. You know, I had a pastor say to me once, Jeff, stop getting so freaked out about it. God can do anything in any amount of time. Like, yeah, but people can't. God can do anything. He's not going to try to force people to have a chain. Do you understand that people are trying to decompress from a week of crap? Right? And they're going to do it in 12 minutes? Right? Can you imagine? I was telling Martha about this last night. I'm like, can you imagine... Uh, if, if we were talking about spiritual nourishment, right, and, and we said, uh, or actually physical nourishment, and there was people that would come to us once a week to get fed, and they never ate during the entire week, but they would come to us once a week. And imagine if all we fed them was cake and ice cream and pie, and that's all they would ever eat is that right there. That's what the church is trying to do. We're trying to give people cake, ice cream, and pie so they'll be happy and give their money and keep coming back to us. But we're killing them in the process. Oh, have mercy, Lord. I've gone too long already. So. <laughs> what time is it? I don't know what time it is. 5.07. What time am I supposed, I'm supposed to stop right now? Probably. Huh? All right. Yeah, just we're close. We're actually close. We're close. Um. I wrote down, we must... We must help people graduate from a feed me mentality to a flow through me mentality. One of the things that we've been doing at North Central and slowly at Celebration Church as well is that we have, but because I oversee, I'm not the main worship pastor at Celebration, so I am the main, I'm one of the main guys that oversees all the worship at, at uh, North Central. One of the things that we've been doing is we have been, 
looking at scriptures like 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 32, which I read verse 26 to you guys, and understand that we need to start empowering people. And so we started realizing that, and I'll give props to Dr. Amy Anderson because she has a book called uh, when, we, when You Come Together, I think is what it's called. When You Come Together, which is based on that verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. When you meet, right, is what we do every Sunday or every Wednesday and all those times. We, when we come together, and one of the things she's explaining is that we've got to find ways to empower people. We've got to find ways to raise them up, build them up, give them opportunities to sow in. So instead of creating a model where people show up at a church and they're just like, you know, just like a little child would, st- uh, would show up and open their mouth, ah, you know, and the pastor's like, here you go, here you go, you know, just feeding them. No, that they would actually know we have to create this culture that when they come, the Holy Spirit wants to work through them too. Like not only the people on the platform is God speaking to, God speaks to everyone. And we need to empower people. We would, we would help people and encourage people. So at North Central, we have created a culture over a long time, it's been very challenging, but over time, we've shifted the culture. I told you we were doing four songs in 18 minutes before. Now, 12 years later, it's normal. The students know that they just plan two and maybe we only do one. They're like, oh, wow, that's awesome, Jeff. You're you know, so cool, so spiritual because we do less songs. That's not what I'm trying to say, but we're creating space. Because if we want there to be a space for someone to speak in tongues and for there to be interpretation, guess what's going to happen? There's going to have to be space somewhere. And so... In my world, and I'll be honest, like nobody was going to give up their speaking time. So I said, hey, we can give up some music time. And I literally had uh, one of the leaders come to me and say, a few years ago, say, Jeff, man, I, I don't want to, I feel bad. Like, we're going to take away your, your time, you guys' time. I'm like, bro, it's not my time. It's not my time. And I get angry about it. I'm telling you. I mean, I'm sorry, but it makes me mad because that is not the right mentality. I mean, I actually appreciate it because you're like, hey, the, the leaders actually considered like, why should we take, don't we always take everything out of the music, right? The, there's a baby dedication that comes out of the worship. It's, you know, hey, sorry, that's a side note. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm like, he's finally paying attention. But I'm like, but that's not the way you should be talking to me because it's not my time. It's God's time and he wants to do whatever he wants to do that I'm going to back up, shut up, speak up, do whatever I have to based on what he's leading. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes he does tell me to shut up. <laughs> and sometimes he tells me to speak up. But God, so we started creating space. That's what we did. We started creating space which caused us to say, okay, we have to hold loosely. I mean, it changes everything, right? We have to teach our teams about this. Because what if that third song, that one lady, she's really excited about singing that song. She's leading, or that guy, he's playing a guitar solo on that song. Worked really hard all week. What if somebody has a message or has a prophecy that they want to bring during that moment? And you know what? We don't get to do that song. Can you believe these people? I worked all week long on that solo. And I get to play it. Like, they're disrespecting my time. Like, bro, like, this ain't your time. This is God's time. And guess what? You learned. You got better as a musician. We can do that song next week. 
because it was never about the set list to begin with. It was never about the song. It was about the God who created music. It was about the God that wants to encounter people. And if he wants to give, give a message to a prophet and he wants to send somebody up there to give a word from the Lord, don't you think we should shut up and listen? So we created that space, and now people know at North Central, if you have a message or something, you feel like the Lord's, because we, we kept saying it. We said, hey, the Bible says, you know, if you read on in 1 Corinthians 14, verses down through 32, 26 to 32, it actually says, now Paul's trying to reel these Corinthians in, right, because they're doing a little too much of this. I don't think that's our problem. When's the last time there was a message in tongues in your church? Now maybe there's a few people here, maybe. But it says there could be up to two or three messages in tongues and up to two or three prophecies in every service. I call them Holy Spirit interruptions. Praise God. Bring the Holy Spirit interruption again. I mean, you can have up to six of them, the Bible says. You know, and he's trying to bring them back. He's trying to reel them in. Maybe they were doing like 12 or something. I don't know. But it's like, I don't think that's our problem. You know? The Lord, would you want to interrupt? Could we listen to your voice again? Would we be able to see, would we be able to empower our people to be able to hear your voice again and know that they actually have a part to play. It's not just to come watch the professionals on the platform. The last thing I'll say before I get Marcus up here, I feel like there's this analogy that the Lord gave me that it feels like church is really, and I know we, we fight, we struggle with this. And we get, we get, again, we get mad at the people on this, but I think we need to own some of this ourselves, okay? I'm not yelling at you, I'm yelling at me too, all right? Because we're all in leadership here. And we do need to take some responsibility for where our people are. But I feel like we've kind of moved, we've kind of moved to this place where it's like it's like there's a big track meet. Maybe it's the Olympics, you know. Everybody's like all excited and they get dressed for the they're coming, they're, you know, the, the people are coming, they've got their coolers and you know, like they got the right outfit and they got their sunscreen on, they're bringing their umbrella and their padded seat for the, you know, for the bleachers and all that stuff, and they show up. And they're there to watch the professionals run around the track, you know. And that's us. We're the professionals. Now, the thing about it is that's a wrong mentality on their part. But guess what? Sometimes we actually like that. Oh, you guys are so good. Oh, all of it. It's all for God's glory. It's all for God's glory, you know. But we actually perpetuate this issue sometimes because we actually like them to need us. And see, that's what the church has been for so long. I mean, you go back hundreds of years, that's, that was the issue. It was that the church leaders loved the power. They loved the people. They kept the, the word of God out of the language of the people so that the people had to come to them. I feel like we're still there sometimes. It's like we get mad at the people because they just come to run, watch us run around the track. But you know what we need to do? We need to pass them the baton. Yeah. It's time for us to go up to them and say, hey, look, why don't you come run? They'll be like, hey, I didn't dress for this. What are you talking about? You know, like, well, it's all right. Just come run with us around the track. Let's run to the presence of God together. Marcus, come, my friend. Give us some practical things like that you guys have been wrestling with at Redeeming Love or you've seen, you've traveled, you've been around, you've seen it all. So get this out of here. So like I said, my name is Marcus Montana. Uh, been since everybody went to North Central. I graduated from Trinity Bible College. <laughs> ah, come on, Ellendale, come North on, Dakota. that's family. That's family. Somebody gotta champion us over here in the city, you know. 
And so, but you also got to be called to go to North Dakota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. <laughs> Same with Minnesota, brothers. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And um, I've been uh, on staff now at Redeeming Love Church since September 1st as the creative arts pastor. And um, so, yeah, making some changes and uh, going, going through that. Um, since Jeff mentioned his. I got a new song dropping. Come on, let's go. <laughs> um, which is, which is, it's not necessarily new. It's just how the Christian music industry works. I actually released this song seven years ago, and I sent it to radio promoting. He was like, this is a banger for 2022. <laughs> I was like, let's go. Man. I got Everybody something brand new it. for you. I got something. <laughs> But what's the, what's the cool thing about it, though, is that I actually started getting traction on mainstream radio in urban markets before Christian radio, you know, and it's a blatant Christian song. It's called Hashtag He Did It For Me, you know, and it's talking about if we were the only ones left that the Lord would uh, die so that we can have a relationship with the Lord or uh, with God so that we can live in power through the Holy Spirit, you know, and um I just part of feel like that that's where we're at in culture in a post-secular society where people are looking for a spiritual awakening. They're, they're tired of yes. organized religion or organized church structure, but they know there's something out there that's beyond us. And so I believe it's our job is to help people see that God is good and his goodness is what leads us to repentance. Amen. And with that... Um, and creating opportunities as well coming up here on May 14th of launching a music festival called Motion City Music Festival, where I just want to lift up, honor our local talent um, that is musicians, that are creatives, that are ministry leaders. And I've done it, even though I do a lot in assembly, I've got people from Baptist churches and Lutheran churches and this, because I'm, I'm very kingdom as well. And they would know you, my disciples, by your love for one another. Amen. And a whole mission of mine my whole life has been how can we tear down the walls of the church building to interact with the community. So that's, that's that. That's what it is. Been uh, married now 11 years. Do have four kids. All my kids are like 10 years exactly after Jeff's. <laughs> As he's 10 years older than me. So. <laughs> You'd never know, would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There like you go. 15, right? <laughs> there you go. But what do we want to just talk about, I guess, just a, a couple things. And some of it, when we look at it, can be the cliche answer of what we give in church settings but I believe the the main thing of staying or having humility in what we're doing is keeping Jesus the main thing keeping Jesus at the center of everything that we do and because we know hey all good things come from him anyway right right and so Another point what I have is, which a guy came point out to me last night, is like, man, you always reinventing, always going. And I guess part of not getting um, full of ourselves, if you want to say, for lack of better terms, is to never arrive, you know, because I feel like when we feel like we arrive or we got it all together, then there's no then seeking of the Lord. There's no need for praying. There's no need for personal worship because I learned how to do all the right things. 
I've, I've no, I'm no longer in need of the Lord's grace because I know how to do the right thing. And then that's a point where we become, even as leaders, judgmental of other people who don't know how to do the right thing. So I think as we stay in tune with the grace of the Lord, we're able to then extend that to other people. That's one thing that keeps us humble is like, well, we understand it's not workspace, but we can always be working on ourselves, on self-improvement from day to day, even just in our time of seeking the Lord, of improvement in that way. Having an understanding that we are image barriers of the Lord. And most people who are out in our communities and our society, they see the Lord by how they see us, how we interact with people, how we serve in our communities, what we do in the church setting. And because they don't have a relationship to have firsthand knowledge, they go, well, that's what he must be like because somebody who represents him, this is what they're doing. So now that can be a good thing or it can be disruptive, you know. And I believe right now in our society where people look at, they put, they make God and the church as the same thing or Christ and the church as the same thing. So when you ask somebody, hey, uh, you want to know about Jesus? Nah. But if are you looking for love? Are you looking for hope? Are you looking for peace? Every single everybody's looking for that. And it's our job to help people see that's who Christ is and that, hey, we just as messed up as they are, but we know Jesus. <laughs> that helps us. And there's a separation. We are the church that are full of broken people in need of God's grace every single day. And he is the one that is perfect and that has a plan, purpose for our lives. And not to be in relationship with him. And another way. I guess the last point on this is just basically to live a life of service, a life of service to the Lord, a life of service to the people, you know. And I just recently had to get on a couple paid people at the church because it's like you show up only when you're getting paid to show up. You know, it's like, OK, you're not on sound this week, but why wasn't you at church? Well, it wasn't my week, <laughs> you know, and and one thing as we take transition in the section of, of burnout, um, that was one thing I started pretty much right away or start to implement right away when I uh, started that is to basically create a two team system. And because we all love to play, we'll just show up and play every week. But we'll play with no devotion, no seeking the Lord, no what you want to do because we just want to play, you know. So my goal and it's like and, and in the church when you like don't have enough people to do that. So now you're you're cultivating and training people, but want to give. So it's like we're going to this two team model, even though I know you'll show up and play every week. But you need a week to just come and be filled. The time to be filled, so when it's your turn to pour out, you have something to pour out. So that don't mean, hey, I'm going to sleep in this week because I'm not playing, but you need to be here. But that's also in the discipleship portion of what I feel like we miss at time as worship leaders of, yeah, just our own personal devotion 
digging into the word, spending time in prayer. And so that's that's always my challenge to our team, even before they're practicing, you know, seeking the Lord and um, his anointing handling. But nah, <laughs> we need to practice as well. <laughs> so. But dependence, yep, dependence on the Lord, where it could seem like a, again, cliche answer, but we avoid burnout by, you know, the Bible said his yoke is easy, his burden is light. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting in our lives, we are not de- being the dependence on to do that heavy lifting because ultimately we can't save nobody. Right. <laughs> you know, and so we're just being vessels of good news so people can experience Christ. But practical way is just, I guess, observing the Sabbath, taking time to rest. Um, that was a word. Somebody I went down, I was at an event and went down to the, the altar to get prayed. And the Lord was like, I'm happy with your relentless effort to do the work. But sometimes you just need to stop and take a break to rest, yes. to take that time off to seek me, but just rest in this presence, <laughs> you know, to just be there, be still. And so allow him to do those work. Amen.